Well, welcome everybody. We're so glad you're here for this, uh, you know, special uh, Christmas week. And it was special also for me because I got to uh, perform the marriage of Jason Zhang and Celine Chen. So congratulations, both of you. It was an honor proceeding over your, your wedding this uh, week. But you know, this is a real special Sunday because whenever uh, Christmas is on a Christmas Whenever Christmas Sunday is on Christmas, we never know who shows up, who's going to show up, right? But I'm just so glad that you're all here today because you figure the next time this is going to happen is going to be in 2033, 11 years from now. And so we don't know what this church is going to look like 11 years from now. I saw Owen crawling around. He's one. My goodness, the next time we have Christmas Sunday on Christmas Day, he's going to be 12, right? You know, crawling around. And who knows, at that time, I'll be crawling around. And I'll be 72 at that time. So we never know. And so, you know, I'm so glad that all of you are here, especially for those of you who are outside and for those of you who are watching at home. Um, But we've been going through this series of the characters in the Christmas story. Because a lot of times when we take a look at the Christmas story, we see the characters and we go, oh man, these guys are just superheroes, right? That God chose them. They're so spiritual, and I could never be like that. But you know what? All of the people that we looked at, they were ordinary people, just like you and I. They all came from humble means. But you know what? God saw that they were special, not because they had a lot of things, not because they were popular, not because they were powerful, They were special to God because they were ordinary humans who allowed him to use them to do great things. And that's the same for every one of you here today. If you let him, it doesn't matter where you are. If you let him, God could do some wonderful things um, through your life. And today we're going to end our series by looking at several individuals and see how their story is interweaved with ours. Because when I was looking at this story and I looked at their story, a part of me, I could see a part of me in every one of their stories at one moment in time um, in my life. And so we're going to take a look at these individuals and see that the best Christmas present you could give to Jesus is yourself, is your heart. But not only is that the best Christmas present that you could give to Jesus, that's the best present that God could give you also. So it kind of like works two ways. And so I hope that you leave encouraged by that. But if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, after the time, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Now here we see Magi or wise men. Now just to let you know, uh, so many um, dioramas or Christmas cards show three wise men. (laughs) We don't know how many wise men there were be. You know, there could have been a lot more. We don't know. But basically, the wise men were experts in science, mathematics, 
agriculture, astrology, and they were well respected and they were they held a lot of political influence and they were very powerful individuals. And so these are the Magi's. And so they came from the east. We think that they came from a, a place or a country called Parthia. And so they were not uh, Jewish. But then we see they came in, in verse 2, they said, and asked, who, where is the one who has born king of the Jews. We saw a star and it rose and we have come to worship him. And like I said, they weren't Jewish, so we don't know how they even knew about the birth of Jesus. Don't think that we, um, a lot of theologians think, is that remember back in the Old Testament, Daniel, you know, Daniel and the lions? Well, he was like the head of the Magi at that time. So we believe that over time, since he was such a godly man, and you could just see God work through him and the faith he had, that the all of the Magi at the time were pretty impressed by him. And since he was the head, stories of what he, uh, he told them about their God passed on from generation to generation and generation. Because when you think about it, there's nothing in Scripture that says um, Jesus is going to be known by a star. So how did they know? And, you know, others believe that, you know, God was involved. And God told them that the king of the Jews is now born, and we, I want you to go and visit them, right? And so they saw a star. Now, we don't know what the star was. You know, people postulate it may have been, you know, a, a, a bright star. It could have been the alignment between Jupiter and Saturn. Others believe it was the glory of God. But we don't know what it is, but there was something, a bright light in the sky that was leading them to um, Jerusalem. And then in verse 3, it says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So the first person we see is King Herod. And King Herod felt threatened when he heard about the birth of Jesus. Now, this guy was a maniac, and he was also very paranoid. And he was highly suspicious of anyone who um, challenged his power. Because he said he was the king of Jews, and that was a title bequeathed to him by the Roman government. However, he was not Jewish. So technically, he didn't have the right to be the king of the Jews. The Roman government gave him that title. So the Jewish, he never found really favor with the Jewish people. But he was highly paranoid, and he was ruthless about anyone who challenged um, him for his power. So ruthless that he actually executed his brother-in-law, who was um, the chief priest at this time. And then he went on to execute his mother-in-law. I'm not sure what she did, but she was executed. He executed his wife, and then he executed all three sons. This is how... Um, my, this just the type of maniac this guy was, and how jealous he was of anybody who sought or he thought had was challenging him for power. You know, it was crazy. Even as his, at his death, he knew that people hated him, and so he knew that nobody would mourn for him. So you know what he did? He got one of the most beloved people in that area. People loved. And he had him executed on the day that he would die. So people would mourn. That is crazy. But this is the man that we're talking about here, King Herod. Could you imagine how suspicious he felt when he perceived 
these wise men coming and said, we have come to see the king of the Jews. Where is he? And, and you can see Herod go, what are you talking about? It's me. And then, no, no, they're talking about the real king of the Jews, the one that was prophesied um, in the Bible. And because of this, Herod felt threatened by Jesus. Do you feel like that sometimes? That Jesus threatens your way of life. Like, God, I know you want me to be a pastor, but I don't want to be a pastor. I have my dreams. I have my career uh, aspirations. A pastor is not in that. I don't want to be a pastor. You are threatening my desires to live the life that I wanted. And of course, that was me. It was a time when I saw Jesus or God as a threat to my plans. Or have you ever felt, hey, God, I want to date who I want to date. It doesn't matter who you want for me. I know what's good for me. And I know who would make me happy. And so I want to date this person, right? And God might be saying to you, you know what? This is not the person I have for you. And then what? All of a sudden, God becomes a threat to your life and your happiness. Or maybe it's your, it's your career, right? You have a career that you want to do. You have your dreams. You say, oh, God, this is going to give me the life I've always wanted. I'm going to be happy. But God is saying, you know what? That's not what I want for you. And then what? God goes from being our friend to somebody whom we're threatened by, that we're threatened by. And I know that some of us have felt that way because we see God as a threat to our happiness. The same way Herod saw Jesus as a threat to his um, career. But you know what's at the um, foundation of all of that? Is lack of trust, right? If we're honest with ourselves, isn't that true? When we say, you know what, God, I want to you know, I see you as a threat to my plans. I see you as a threat to my happiness. If I do what you want me to do, I'm not going to be happy. What is that? A lack of trust. Because we know what in Jeremiah, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That's what God wants for you. He wants to give you, he has plans for you, and he has wonderful plans for you, plans that you can't even imagine, plans to give you a future, plans to give you a hope, and he does not want to harm you. How many of us come before God when we hear God, God's voice, we go, the first thing, okay, God, you want to mess up my life. If I do what you do, my life's going to be messed up, right? But that's not God. God has wonderful plans for you. And, and to be honest with you, I am so glad that I'm a pastor now. That, that, that God was, that, that plan was perfect. Because if not, I would be at the airport right now managing all of the inward and outbound flights of United Airlines. And I would have been screamed at and yelled at and cussed at for the past two weeks right? And especially with this weather going around and all these flights canceling, it would have been miserable for me at the airport. So thank God that he called me to be a pastor, right? And I eventually listened, right? But you know, God knows, God knows. I never thought being a pastor would be so great. I thought God was intent on ruining my life, right? But the same is true for you. You know, God has these wonderful, wonderful plans for you. 
God's going to use you in ways you can't even imagine, right? But it calls for what? Trust. That when God wants you to do something, he's not doing it to make you miserable. He's doing it because he cares about you. So don't see God as a threat like Herod. And so we see another group of people here. And then in verse number four, he says, when he, called, when he, meaning Herod, called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law and asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Okay, now he's paranoid. He gets all the religious folk. He brings all the pastors together. He brings all the superintendents. He brings all the denominational leaders together and say, okay, guys, you should know where is this Jesus um, going to be born. But this group of people, the religious leaders, felt indifferent when they heard about the birth of Jesus. Why? Because when Herod asked them, they replied this. In Bethlehem, Bethlehem in Judea replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. They knew about the coming of the Messiah. They had been looking for him for decades. They were waiting for the Messiah to come. And upon these magi coming and said, Where is... this Messiah born, it freaks Herod out. So Herod calls them all together and goes, hey, you guys should know. Hey, man, you guys are my pastors. You guys are my denominational leaders. Where's Jesus to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem. This is where Jesus is in Bethlehem. So what did they do? There's nothing in Scripture that says they ran to go see Jesus. Of all people, they should have been like the shepherds. Remember we talked about the shepherds when the angels told the shepherds about Jesus. What did they do? They ran. They were excited to go see him. And the shepherds were considered the sinners at that time. But no, they went and they saw Jesus. But what about the religious leaders? It's like, eh. yeah, he's born in Bethlehem. And that's it. They did nothing They were indifferent about the um, coming of the Messiah, the birth of Messiah. Why? Well, maybe they were too busy. We don't know. Or maybe they're saying, you know what? He's just a little baby right now. What could he do for us? Let's just wait till he gets older, and then he could probably do for something. But we don't know, you know, why they didn't go. But there are some times when we're like that, right? When we hear something about Jesus. You hear a testimony, and it, oh, yeah, that's good for them. And we go on with our lives. You know, we live, our, we know about Jesus, but we live our lives as if he wasn't born. We are indifferent to Jesus, right? It's like, okay, God, uh, you know what? Yeah, I know that, but I could just get to that later. You know, I'm busy right now, God. I, I just got more important things to know, right? And God, guess what? If I need you, I know where to find you, right? Isn't that sometimes our attitude when things are just going well in our life? We are indifferent to Jesus, right? And we only call out to him when something bad happens to him, right? And then we're going to see a third attitude. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he said to them, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, 
Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Once again, that was a lie. He wanted to know where Jesus was born so he could eliminate Jesus. Right? And when they heard the king, they went on the way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now this, we know, was not an ordinary star. This, we believe, is either the glory of God or an angel because it rose, it went over to the home of Jesus, and boom, it stayed there. Because the first star, what? Led them to Jerusalem. The second light actually led them to Jesus, right? So whether we are... Um, see Jesus as a threat or we're indifferent that star is is what? It's always guiding us back to Jesus. It's always guiding us back to God. So you might be in that first category and you might feel lost right now. You might feel like you know what my life's you know messed up but you know what the good news is? That star is always there. That star will always lead you back to God. No matter what you've done, no matter how indifferent you've been to God, no matter how much of a threat that you saw God, if you want to come to him, that star will always lead you back to God. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They weren't threatened by Jesus. They weren't indifferent about Jesus' birth. They were overjoyed. The wise men felt joy when they heard about the birth of Jesus. It says, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure, presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the proper response to Christmas. This is a proper response to Jesus. It's to bow down and worship him. They didn't feel threatened by Jesus. These were powerful men. They but they weren't like Herod. They weren't threatened. They knew who Jesus was. And somehow they knew what Jesus was there for and they bowed down and worship. And it says having warned them in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. So we see the attitudes displayed by the characters in a passion uh, in this passage. King Herod felt threatened by Jesus and he rejected him as king. The religious re- uh, leaders who should have known better felt indifferent about Jesus and they rejected him as a king. The wise men however rejoiced over the birth of Jesus and accepted him as their king. This Christmas is only one response that will bring you joy. And some of you might here may not know Jesus, right? Some of you might, you know, view God as a God that's angry and a God that's judgmental and a God that's just waiting to uh, judge people when they mess up. No, that's not the Bible. I do not see that in the Bible. Why? Because Jesus came to save us from the penalty of sin, right? In Matthew one twenty one, 
the Bible says, and she, mean Mary, will have a son, and you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is why Jesus came. So if you don't know Jesus right now, if your friend has brought you here, or a family member has brought you here, you know, I'm so glad you're here. But know that this is about Jesus coming into this world. What? To save all of us from our sin. Because Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The result of sin is spiritual death, spending eternity away from God in a place that we call hell. However, Jesus came to save us from that, and it's a free gift that he's given everybody but we have to choose him. You know, I know you know this verse because you see it at sporting events all the time, John three sixteen and 17. For this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. See, God doesn't want us to perish. That's how much God cares about you. God's not this angry you know, God who just wants to judge you. He wanted to save you. He doesn't want you to perish. But he says, for God sent his son into this world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And this is where the church has gotten a bad rap because we think we're this, a group of judgmental people. Now, we do believe that there is a biblical lifestyle that Jesus wants us to have and Jesus wants us to live, that God wants us to live. And that's the best way we could live. However, you know, the Bible says we are not to be judgmental, right? So if you don't know Jesus, you know, I encourage you, you know, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus and feel threatened or indifferent about him, you know, I just encourage you, just take time to get to know God. Because out of love, he sent his son to be born on Christmas to save you from your sins and give you eternal life. So if you don't know God today, if you don't know Jesus, if you're, if you're watching and you don't know Jesus, I encourage you, just take time to check him out, read scripture, to find out more about him, and just see the wonderful plan that he has for you, and that you too can experience eternal life. And all it takes is faith. It's not about works. It's not about doing good works, right? And we're the only religion that's like this. Everybody else, you have to wor work and earn your salvation. Christianity is all about, hey, Jesus did the work for you on the cross. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. And so if you are a believer and feel threatened by God or indifferent about God, I want to speak to you too because there are consequences also. You know, I'm sure we've all been there as believers, right? Well, we felt that God's plans for us threatened our lives, threatened what we wanted. Or there are times when we've been so busy or we, we're just indifferent about God where people looking around us won't even know that we are believers. We've all been there. You know, I've been there. But the problem is if we persist, then we start falling under God's loving um, discipline because we see in Hebrews where he said, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. See, God loves us just like, you know, our parents love us when we were growing up in a, as a children. And when we did things that um, disobeyed our parents, of course we got punished. Why? Because our parents wanted to teach us things. Our parents wanted to develop a certain character. Our parents wanted to keep us safe. And we were disciplined, what? Not out of judgment, but we were disciplined out of love. And this is key, okay? 
Now, if we're one of the first two, you know, we could spend a good portion of our lives being under the discipline with God. So what do we do? Well, the first thing we need to do is examine ourselves. Because in 2 Corinthians 13, 5-7, it says this. Test, to, test yourselves to make sure that you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need first-hand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. If you are indifferent about God this morning, and if you feel that God is a threat, examine yourself and test yourself. And, you know, if you fail the test, do something about it. Do something about it. Just don't continue on living as if God doesn't exist, right? And the second thing we could do is if you're a believer and you find yourself either threatened by, you know, Jesus, or if you are indifferent to Jesus, you know, I encourage you to return to the God who has his arms open and uh, open wide and waiting for you to come home. And we're going to end with this. You know, Jesus tells a parable, which is a story about the lost son. And in this parable, a story, Jesus was saying that there was this father who had two sons. And this father was a very wealthy man, had a lot of material possessions. And the younger one came up to his father and goes, you know, I wish you were dead so I can have my inheritance. But since you're still alive, can I have my inheritance now? And so his father gave him the inheritance and he left home and he spent it on women and parting and material possessions. Soon... He became broke, and he became homeless. And then he got a job feeding pigs. And there was a point where he was so hungry, he was looking at the food that he was feeding the pigs, and that started looking like a gourmet meal, right? But then he came to his senses, and this is what we see in Luke 15, starting with verse 18. He said, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to see his son and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. He said, then the said said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that a wonderful story? You know, the son realized he had messed up, and so he came back home. And the father represents God. And you would think that, you know, the father would reprimand his son and say, see, I told you this would happen, right? 
It's about time you came to your senses. No, the father who, re- who represents God saw the son coming back. He knew his son was beat up. He knew his son was downtrodden. He knew his son made a mistake. Then the son knew that. So he goes and runs to his son. Now, the thing that you don't know, you know how undignified that is for a Jewish man to run? It's not like us where we run in this. They had a robe, Right? Or for you women who are wearing a long wedding gown, try to run in that. That's the picture. You have to pull it before your legs and you have to kind of go like this. It's not very dignified. That's why Jewish men never ran because it wasn't dignified. But we see this father doing something undignified, unheard of, and running to his son and welcoming him back with open arms. But you know what? That's a picture of us too. And this is why we celebrate Christmas, that God came, what? To save us from our sins, and through faith and belief in him, we become his child forever, just like Sierra is God's child forever. And yes, we are going to sometimes feel God's a threat to us, and yes, there are some times when we're going to feel indifferent. But you know what? When we decide to come back to God, God is waiting. God is actually not waiting for you to come in. God is actually charging after you with arms wide open, to give you a party. Why? Because he's just so happy that you're back. So this morning, if you've been distant from God, don't run from him. Don't run from him. Run to him. Run to the loving God who is running after you and is just so happy that you're back. So what's a weekly challenge? It's really simple. I want you to examine yourself to see um, if you're either threatened by Jesus, if you're indifferent about Jesus, or you're rejoicing over Jesus. And if you happen to be in categories one and two, which we've all been, examine yourself. Examine yourself to say, oh, why am I like this? Why am, why does Am I threatened by God who's got the best plans for me and that's the best way I could live my life? Why don't I trust him? Or why am I indifferent about Jesus? Why am I living my life as if Jesus doesn't exist? Then what? If you are in one or two, the best Christmas present you can give Jesus is your heart. Run back to him. Don't run away from him. He's waiting for you. He can't wait to you come back. He's going to rejoice when you come back. He's not going to be angry. So I pray that each one of you do that this morning. Let's pray. And worship team, please come forward. You know, there are some of you here right now who have never made a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you did think that he was this judgmental God and you want nothing to do with that. But the Bible says that, you know, each one of us has messed up. Each one of us have sinned, and we've fallen short of God's perfection. And the wages or the consequences of sin is death, which is an eternity away from God in a place called hell. And I know that's not pleasant, but you know what? Christmas is all about God sending his son into this world to eventually die for you to pay for all of the mistakes both you and I have made. And this is a gift. This is God's gift to you. And all you have to do is accept it. 
And all you have to do is say, Jesus, I, I accept you as my king and my Lord and Savior, and I choose to follow you. It's a decision that you have to make. It's not about your works. And so if you're ready right now, if you want your life changed, if you want to follow Jesus as your Savior, who has wonderful, wonderful plans for you on this earth. Now, his plans may not be easy. In fact, it's going to be hard. But this is our training ground because the celebration is in heaven. And we are training to live life eternity. Pray this prayer for me. Dear God, I really don't know a lot about you and for a long time, longest time I really didn't care but father I know that I've made mistakes and there are times at night where I just feel guilty other people may not know it but I do and they bother me and I wondered if you could ever love or forgive somebody like me and God according to your scripture you sent your son Jesus Christ on Christmas to save me to be my Savior, to forgive me. So, Father, this day I choose to accept your gift of salvation. I believe that your Son, Jesus, is truly God and that he died on the cross. And because of his death, the blood he shed, it was his blood that allowed me to live and gives me eternal life and not by my works. Father, with your help, I'm going to turn from my old way and I'm going to live a life following you. Jesus, today, I accept you this, I accept your gift and decide to make you the king of my life. You know, that prayer doesn't save you. But if you pray that prayer, if you want to have your life changed, come speak to me or any one of the staff members, and we'll start you on that journey because your journey is wonderful and it just started. But also there are some of you here today who you've been away from the Lord for a while, right? Or, or maybe you just feel that God is a threat to your plans and you're here and there's a fear of, gosh, wanting to come back to God, you know, wondering what he's going to say. And if you are a believer, and if that's you, I want you to know that God is waiting for you with open arms. He loves you. You are his child, and nothing could change that. And it breaks his heart that you're not following him because he has such wonderful plans for you, and he sees your pain. He sees your suffering, and he wants to step into that. So if that's you this morning, would you pray with me? Dear God, I come to you this morning having felt threatened by your plans because I thought I knew better for my life. Father, I've been so busy and wrapped up in life and my dreams that I've really been indifferent about you, that I don't even think about you. But Father, I want to come back to you. I want to be back to having that close relationship with you. Would you please, Father, help me back 
with that star that led the wise men to your son. Father, may that star, may that may your glory lead me back to your son. I choose this morning to make that decision to come back to you. Oh God, I thank you so much for Christmas and the hope that gives all of us, whether we believe in you or not, that you came to save us and we could rejoice and we could celebrate with that. And Father, may we experience the joy of Christmas this morning. And Father, may our gift to you be our heart, our heart that surrendered to you this morning. In your son's name we pray, amen.